Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is L. Palmer, who is a female to female detransitioner. She attempted to be a trans man for the latter half of her teenage years and then detransitioned and began to speak about her detransition in the early months of 2020. Oh, those glorious early months before the world was set aflame. In this conversation, we catch up with her. I've been following her. She's been following me. I've never had her on my channel before. And so in this conversation, we talk a little bit about her detransition and her transition, but from a more of a distance than with other interviews of this ilk, uh, because she's had a lot more time to process this and she's been processing it vocally. So we get a little bit deeper into the psychology, looking back at her teenage years, the influences that influenced her towards transition and then out of transition. She's a wonderful, wonderful young woman. Highly suggest you checking out her YouTube channel if you want to follow her on Twitter. Links to both Twitter and YouTube are down there in the description. Without further ado, here is L. Palmer. One second. I am running a little late. I'm sorry. Um, scream. And then can you hear me? Yes. Oh, there you are. Okay. Thank you about that. I'm you can sorry. hear me? Yeah. Okay. I got, um, I got um, swept up into uh, birthday celebrations. Yeah, I was about to say happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. How's it going? Pretty good. Just relaxing with the boys. Um, what are you up to? Um, I just got off work, so happy. Oh. It's Friday. <laughs> I have what? one of those jobs where I can say that. It's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what industry are you in? Um, I'm doing an AmeriCorps program right now, um, just hmm. for the summer. Um, so I, it's like a 10 week long program. I'm like, I think I just finished week five, I think. So I'm halfway there. Um, so it ends mid-August, and I'm working with a local food bank, um, and we are doing programs where we're like distributing summer meals to kids um, who would normally have like a free school lunch. Um, so we're feeding kids for the summer um, breakfast and lunches, um, and. We have like four different places that we go like in the community. So we go to like some mobile home parks. Um, we go to the public library and um, there's like a little town that's kind of outside of our town. It's kind of like a rural area. So we go there and give meals to the kids that are living in the rural area. Mm -hmm. Have you done this? Uh, is this the first time your first time around? For this. Yeah, I have never done any job like this where it's like full time and like it's like half office and half field work. Um, so there's like a lot of paperwork involved, which I really like paperwork. <laughs> oh, really? Um, You're a bureaucrat <laughs> by, by like training so. or by like your genetics just dictate that you just like orderliness? <laughs> yeah, I think it's like uh, some some feeling of like 
oh, like I, I did this whole thing and now it's over and now I can move on to the next thing. And it's like, I finished something and it feels really good to like finish something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I haven't done anything like this before, but I really like it. You know, like nonprofit work is what it is. So I definitely want to do more. Um, looking into actually doing another AmeriCorps program in the uh, starting at the end of August, so or the beginning of September, and uh, moving across the country for that. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully that works out. Are you done? You think with college at this point? Um, I don't know. This fall, I want to get an associate's degree because I only need like two more classes. Um, and I kind of, I've been in school for like four years and just like keep changing what I want to do. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I got like a scholarship to go. So I haven't like drowned in student debt, which is great, but I feel like I'm kind of not like wasting like my time studying all these things. Cause I've learned a lot, but like if I'm not headed towards like a specific degree, I'm just like, I don't know why, why I keep going when I don't even know like what I want to get out of a degree, I guess. Hmm. What, what fields have you kind of explored over your um, course when of your I started school? When I started school, I was a journalism major and I did that for a year. Um, and then I was like, I definitely don't want to do journalism. So I switched to, um, well, then I took a year off after that. Cause then it was COVID and I was like, I don't want to go to school during COVID. Um, and then I went back for psychology and I did that for a year. And then did you I, get a chance to diagnose yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Yeah. I uh, got a diagnosis during that time. And then I was like, okay, that's, that's good. <laughs> I, move on from that. I honestly, you know, for a long time, I was making jokes like, oh yeah, you know, everybody comes into psych like, because they have mental health issues. And then as soon as I like switched out of the field, I was like, oh, like I was actually like doing that like hmm. like legit <laughs> like trying to understand myself more which is what you're not supposed to do um really well i mean i don't know i think the goal of a psych degree should be to like i i don't know i feel like by the time you're done with your degree and like actually going into the field you should have your shit together more so that you can like help people like without bringing your own shit into it because yeah. I do feel like that can happen. Have you, have you ever been like over the course of your life, I guess from teenagehood on like interested in volunteerism or helping other people or. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, like before I turned 18, I thought it would be really cool. I actually like made this plan. I like planned it all out like in my like, phone like notes app i was like okay so i want to donate blood plasma and um what's the other one platelets okay um, not eggs <laughs> no oh god because that's a goal for some people 
I mean, you can make a lot of money doing that, but no, I wanted to do it selflessly. Um, so I had this whole plan. I was like, how many times can you donate blood like in a month? How many times can you donate platelets? How many times can you donate? Um, what was the other one I just said? Plasma. It's plasma, yeah. Yeah. And so I figured it all out and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this like regularly, like for the rest of my life, as soon as I turn 18, as soon as I'm old enough. Um, and I was probably like 15 or 16 when I planned all that out. And then by the time I turned 18, I was like, yeah, that's a lot of work. I don't feel like doing that. Yeah. That's an odd <laughs> kind of I fantasy, do. like a reverse vampire. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, I was never really into vampires, but I definitely. Um, <laughs> you weren't. You didn't yeah. have a Twilight kick for a while there. I read the first Twilight book, and then I started the second one. I was like, "This sucks. <laughs> I don't want to read this anymore." But I was really into like Greek mythology. That was my thing. Hmm. Were you rather literary? And thanks for oh, letting yeah. me poke at you it's like this, uh, yeah. psych 101 on benjamin boyce's channel <laughs> yeah. tell me about your father you know <laughs> <laughs> my childhood what was your childhood like yeah no i i was such a reader um like i have this memory of um i don't know how old i was my mom says i was like two but i don't believe her she was uh i was like two apparently and my sister was learning how to read she was like two and a half years older than me um and my mom was teaching her and i was like mom i want to learn how to read and i was like really insistent and i was like you're gonna teach me how to read mom and she was like okay and then i started <laughs> going through this like is like teach your kid how to read in 100 days this workbook that my mom had um and i remember like going through it and i remember like every every time at the end of a lesson she'd give me a gold star and then we'd get to put it on the page together and i remember that was like my earliest like validation and i was like i need more of this oh no so <laughs> so i uh, chased that feeling and i never got it again validation <laughs> the feeling that, of getting a gold star yeah that first gold star and set you up for a <laughs> lifelong of life uh life of disappointment yeah it really did hmm. yeah when did you start publishing to youtube three and a half years ago three and a half so it that's was, uh, uh, january 2020 january 2020 really okay yeah because you were you were one of the first you were one of the earlier detrans voices that popped up um yeah um yeah there were a few people that i was actually watching on youtube uh before i posted anything um i think her name was leah or something like that um she had a hysterectomy and i watched her videos and related to a lot of what she said and um, somebody else, I think Laura, Laura Floor, I don't know how to pronounce her name, uh, but she's still around. She, she's on Twitter and stuff. Um, but I watched her videos too. Um, but yeah, I, 
you know, I only made my video to post on the the D-Trans subreddit and I didn't, you know, I just posted to YouTube because that was the only way I could post on the subreddit. And then um, the responses were crazy. It's just, you know, I went viral in like less than a week and I was like, what the fuck? Um, How and I think I was 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was weird because I always wanted to be a YouTuber. Um, it was like a, a <laughs> not like this dream. though. Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> I I always imagined I would be like a daily vlogger, you know. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of similar. Yeah. Ish. What was it like being getting attention for that? Um, and what kind of attention did you get? Because um, periodically somebody will come out as a detransitioner and they'll make a splash. And sometimes increasingly, it seems like over the last six to eight months, things are getting more and more antagonistic towards detransitioners. Yeah. They get torn apart, like KC and then Kobe, who I just had on, just torn apart. But you and Helena and a few people right in your cohort at that time, it wasn't a big enough deal. So you guys yeah. could go kind of viral, get kind of popular, get kind of novelty without a lot of blowback. So what was kind of the reaction that you got? And then how did you deal with it? Yeah. I feel like now it's like a lot more mainstream, which is why it's so controversial. Cause I feel like it's being, you know, it's like on Fox news and yeah. a lot of other conservative sites are like picking it up, which is I think why there's such an intense um, reaction nowadays. But yeah, back then, um, I mean, as far as I can remember, like I was really, I mean, I was scrolling through all the comments, you know, I was, I made a Twitter account specifically for detransition stuff because I didn't have one. Um, and so I was like connecting with all these people. Um, and it was amazing. Like it was so overwhelmingly positive. Um, like the comments that I was getting so many people were commenting like, I've never thought about this, but like, I feel the same way and stuff like that, where they, they had gone through the transition and they realized because of my video, because it was the first thing that they had ever been exposed to, like about detransitioning. Um, and that just blew my mind. And it was just like, so cool to be able to connect with all these people. Hmm. And then on Twitter, it was like completely different because I came into this community that already existed um, of detransitioners that was pretty tight knit and small at the time. Um, and I and I followed, you know, everyone that I could and, and everyone kind of knew each other back then. And I feel like it's grown a lot. Um, and there's there's a lot of people that follow me, like respond to my tweets. And I'm sure there's even more that I just never see, but like, I don't know who they are and they're, you know, D-trans and there's all these little pockets now, I feel like more than just yeah. like one big community. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know that I did get some, I think because like back then my videos were very, very carefully neutral towards the trans community. And I did that on purpose. But I also like when I started making videos, I 
didn't know how to feel about the trans community. Like I wasn't working through that yet. So hmm. working through all my own stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I focused a lot on just, just my, myself and set over and over, like, this was my experience. I'm not speaking for anyone else. Like this, just don't worry about, you know, the rest of the implications of this. Like, this is just me and my story. Um, and so I think that's why I had a lot of support, um, and not a lot of negativity at first. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that, um, you got a lot of comments that people saw themselves in you or recognized things yeah. about themselves that you were bringing to light. Was that mostly female or an even split with male and female? I would say it's mostly, it was mostly, yeah. um, a female, uh, you know, trans men, um, who would tell me or like female, even like non-binary people would say like, Oh, you have this insight that I've like never thought about. And like, you know, a lot of my videos kind of explain like why I got to the point of thinking that I was trans and like transitioning because of, you know, the unique experiences of being female and being, you know, preyed upon by men and like the unique things that that girls and women go through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it resonated with a lot of of other women um or like yeah. females and um was the predatory interaction with mills uh, and answer this however politically or honestly you want to was it severe was it social was it uh did it cross the line into assault harassment well i i was actually talking about this like the other day with my sister but i feel like it's kind of something that you only well for me i guess like i only really noticed how bad it was or started to think about how bad it was when i got older because it stopped happening as much when i got older so it's like i think growing up on the internet it's worse um because these older men like have access to young girls really easily um so i especially back when like social media was so new like there were all these men that i didn't know like in real life that i f was connecting with over like video games and like other interests that i had um, and they were specifically, you know, interested in me because I was like a, an 11 year old girl. Um, and so I would like talk to these men and, you know, we would like play games together. Um, and it was, it crossed the line into like romantic, you know, conversations. Um, <laughs> and at the time i was like oh you know like it's so nice to have like you know an older man like interested in me you know it's nice to have like the attention and i didn't you know there was no concept of like this is wrong because as like an 11 or 12 year old you're like you know oh it's like a relationship oh it's so cute um i like being told that i'm cute and stuff um but yeah there was there were like a, a 
handful of experiences that I had that were excessively bad with older men. Um, but none of them were in person, which I'm grateful for. They were yeah. all online situations, but one of them was straight up like sexting. And that was when I was 14 and he was like in his early twenties. Um, and I think uh, that specific experience was something that pushed me towards not wanting to be female anymore. Okay. Was there, was there a dissociation with your, uh, with your body, with your femaleness or just more of a dislike? Well, I don't really know. Like looking back, I mean, I had a lot of body image issues already and a lot of mental illness. Like I was already going through like depression and anxiety, <laughs> um, and an eating disorder before I ever like thought about you know not wanting to be a girl <laughs> and uh i mean when you have an eating disorder i think there's kind of some dissociation that happens you know yeah. inherent to that so it was kind of like the natural like um the, the natural conclusion of having an eating disorder as a young girl like the eating disorder to trans pipeline i feel like is very strong so yeah. 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 There's another kind of weird thing. So, um, to preface this, it's, it's not entirely, it hasn't been easy to speak to males as much as females in the detransitioner cohort, but I have luckily or with gratitude have spoken with a number of different males and there's a lot of different experiences that they're going through. You know, there's autogynophilia, there's, uh, internalized homophobia one very particular it's 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 i don't know how prevalent it is and i don't know if it's something that could be researched and codified at all but there have been males who are who have problematic relationships with masculinity and part of their transition or their push towards transition is a real strong dislike with what they see as males. Males are being aggressive. Males are aggressive. They're aggressors. They're painted bad in society. They, they internalize this kind of misandry. Um, and one thing that you're making me think of that's just kind of quizzical is that if you're getting negative attention from males, why would you want to become that? Or maybe maybe it's like the the reverse of like a sheep and wolf's clothing. It's a sheep. Yeah, it's a sheep and wolf's clothing. If I can dress up as the male, then then I won't stand out, right? Um, and I don't know if that maps at all onto your experience. But if you are getting negative associations from males, like what would how would the attraction to being a male work out for you? Or if you know of that pattern in in the broader detrans community. Yeah, I think that's a really good, like, thing to bring up. I feel like for me, like, something that I've only recently been able to, like, vocalize is that, like, when I first entered into the trans community, I saw myself as, like, a trans man. And trans was the identity. It wasn't, like... I wasn't going towards like, I don't know, like looking back, 
it makes so much more sense that I identified with the trans label like the most. And I, because ultimately when I got to the point that I was like passing flawlessly, fully, you know, people were surprised that I was trans because I like looked so much like a man. Um, I felt so isolated and I was like, I'm not a man. <laughs> like, this is weird. <laughs> I liked being trans and I liked having that community. Um, and I, I really, as soon as I started to pass as a man, I wanted to stand out again and I wanted to be like, okay, well, I'm going to be a feminine man. I'm going to like grow my hair and wear crop tops and short shorts. And I'm going to embrace this femininity that I never felt like I could embrace like as a female. Um, and then shortly after that, I was like, this is stupid. I'm going to (laughs) detransition. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be a man with a beard trying to, you know, a trans man looking, I don't know. It was just like, it was all fucked up. And I was well, like, I don't. There could yeah. be, this is a harsh word and I don't mean it to be harsh at all, but it sounds like if you are looking for, to stand out, it could be kind of a, kind of a shallow uh, bid for attention, like wanting to stand out, trying to be cool and stuff. But there is also just yeah. a broader question of uh, gender is on on a kind of socio-physical level gender is a sexual signal it's a signal of attractiveness it's a signal of of sexual health it's a signal of being a mate to somebody it, it has it gender is manifest in relationship to other people and attracting them to being attracted mm-hmm. to them and so i'm wondering yeah. um if if we just kind of block uh, aside the wanting to disappear from your femaleness in order to, to pass away from the male gaze. If there was something that becoming masculine was attractive because it made you attractive. If there was, if, if there was kind of some sort of not sexual in, in the core sense, but just like, like an expression of your desire to be desired in that. Mm-hmm. And if there was a particular aesthetic there, because you do bring up that it was more about the trans man, that's kind of, a, it sounds like that's a kind of an aesthetic that you were gravitating toward. And I wonder if that aesthetic yeah. had any sort of signal that, that uh, allowed you to access access to intimacy or to the attraction that you could control maybe. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing for me was like, I wanted my voice to change and that was the, I didn't really care about anything else. Um, like with transitioning, I was like, as long as I don't sound like a girl, that's what I wanted. Um, I don't think I had any like specific desire to, I don't remember ever thinking like, I want to be more attractive, like as a man, I think I, I kind of just, I think mostly I just wanted to not be seen as a, as a girl or as a woman. Um, and why was the voice so important? Because your connections to other people were through your voice, like a lot of voice chat and stuff. So the yeah, main it mode was, of connection. 
yeah, it's so, it sounds so stupid looking back, but I was 15. Yeah. And I wasn't going to school. I wasn't, I didn't have any friends in real life. Um, I basically rarely ever left the house. So I was on the internet like all day, all the time. And I was in the trans community on Reddit, like talking to all these people. And, um, and when I, when I wasn't on Reddit, I was on Twitch and I was streaming on Twitch all the time. Um, and I would stream sometimes for like 12 hours a day, just talking to people in my chat and, you know, talking to myself mostly because I didn't have that many people watching. <laughs> um, mm. but I really loved just playing video games and talking and, uh, and back then Twitch was actually the way that I got in contact with, um, the man that sexted me when I was 14 and and that whole situation arose because I said that I was female in his Twitch chat. And then he started to watch my streams and all of that. And, um, and so that whole thing, I kind of associated like my being female with the reason that all happened. And then every time I was on Twitch and like talking to people, you know, they'd call me a girl, they'd call me she and, and as soon as the, I, they would come into my chat, a lot of the time they would make some comment like, you know, like, oh, you have like a sexy voice or something like that, you know, just like some hmm. because I sounded like a girl and girls don't play video games. So yeah. I just it was that it was really that simplistic back then. Just well, like. Well, was there an aspect of it that maybe on some level you were thinking they're not listening to me they're only seeing this girl and i want to be listened to so yeah. so transition or changing your voice would be an ability to not just hide your femininity but not have that in the way between you and other people how, how they saw you yeah there was such a huge disconnect like i don't know just like immediately being seen as like oh, you're a girl, you fit into this box now that I've created in my head. And I just, I fucking hated that. I was like, oh, I'm playing this video game. I'm playing it just the same as some random dude would play it. And now you're just coming into my chat and just trying to like flirt with me like while I'm playing a video game. It's just, it was ridiculous. But like leaving the Twitch community you know, it's just thinking about how simple it was like in my head as a, you know, 15 year old being like, this is going to solve all my problems on Twitch when I stream. <laughs> it's like, Oh no. You know, didn't think about, you know, the rest of my life, but. Well, did you, did you, yeah. did you see, uh, how other female, uh, internet gamers would, uh, use male attention to get, uh, more male attention or embrace mm -hmm. that role and what was it about you that set you apart from them or made you not want to go in that direction i it's a really good question i mean i think back then and probably still i just don't pay attention but like back then i remember like most of the 
biggest female streamers were just catering to men, you know, just like, you know, showing off their tits <laughs> on stream and using their femaleness as their like brand, you know, and like, I thought that that, like, I, I was like, I don't know. I didn't want to do that. I was never comfortable with my body. I was never comfortable with um, being looked at in that way and never really wanted to be like, I, I had no desire to be like a sexual human being until I was older, um, even until after I like started testosterone. Um, so it was just, it was just so uncomfortable to like, be like, is this the only way like to be a female gamer? Like yeah. you have to just, it, you have to just succumb to all the guys who, you know, are going to want to fuck you when they hear your voice. Like, yeah, I, I didn't want that. You can succumb to it, you can ignore it, or you can uh, work against it. And I guess there's more than yeah. two ways, but one way would be to masculinize yourself. The other way is to kind of go raving feminist and just be really unappealing to, to yeah. men. Yeah. Like intentionally. Just have to like fight them whenever they come in. I hate it. I, I, I tried to do that for a little bit. I mm. would be like, why the fuck are you just coming into my chat and immediately just trying to flirt with me? Yeah. Like, and I would get mad, and then I realized that getting mad wasn't doing anything, and that was just like my life. It kind of like to me, it it was like a bigger like. This Twitch chat was just like a symbol of like how my life was gonna be. It was like, but I was also really into like feminism and really into like feminist like spaces on the internet as well at that time um before i was in the trans community and i do think that like that feminism focuses a lot on like those negatives of being a woman and so i do think that hearing that kind of thing over and over like oh this happens so many like every woman all the time like men are just constantly like trying to be disgusting and there's no escape there's no relief like this is just what being a woman is and i did have that like internalized at that point like and, and through my experiences of of actually having that happen to me like i was like well i guess this is it like <laughs> sucks that i was born this way <laughs> and like i as soon as i figured out that i could like change that in a way then i was like okay yeah this Makes sense to me. Hmm. One not goal. I'm trying not to have a goal in in, in talking to um, people, but one one thing that I would like uh, for more young people to uh, to have is a sense of uh, or a pathway toward accepting themselves as what they are and as who they are. And one thing that I see lacking across so much political discourse is a positive vision. Like a lot of feminism right now is, 
it was concentrated on the, the, the rights of women, like winning rights from men and patriarchy theory. And then with gender critical stuff, it's a lot of deconstructing of gender. And I'm like, well, what is the, what is the hope or the positive vision to give to young men and to give to young women about their femininity, about their masculinity? And so with that said, I, I want to kind of jump around a little bit or jump ahead to when you started to want to be feminized or start to feminize yourself. Did you start to have a different relationship with your femininity? And how have you, over these years, accepted, began to love it, began to see its use, began to see that that is something that is a good thing in your life, albeit kind of a pain, uh, probably in a number of different levels. How did that start to change for you? It's kind of funny, actually, like, um, I remember, I think I've, I've probably told this story before somewhere on the internet, but I have this memory of, um, I got really fucking stoned one day when I was 19 and I saw this like vision in my head of me as a 30 year old. And it was so real. I was like, this is me in the future. And I was like, I had this like little tiny apartment. I had a cat and I had hair like down to my ass. And I looked a lot like my mom and I was, and I was a female. And I was like, I came out of it and I was like, that was so weird. But it felt like I knew that was me. And and that was around the time when I was starting to accept that I like wanted to dress more femininely and like grow my hair out. And I think like <laughs> a lot of that started um, with me passing as a man, like I said, and being seen as a man. And then I realized like, I think I started to come into like my sexuality when I was in my late teens and realized that, you know what, it would be nice to be able to just like go to a bar and get hit on and meet someone and just go like have sex or like start a relationship that easily. And at that point, I was like, I'm trans, it's too far gone, it's too late for me. I would have to have this conversation uh, with anyone that I meet that, and it's just complicated now. It's just too complicated for me to do that. So, but I, but at that point I started to think like, man, like girls have it so easy. They can just like go into a bar and, uh, and get hit on, get picked up. Like at that point I started to like, want that and it's really weird um but that is when i started to like question like can i go back and you know how how would i even get there and i didn't think it was possible back then when i was having those thoughts um and you know i had never heard of it or anything like that but um that was the beginning, I think, of when I started to, like, want to be feminine and want to be, like, a woman. And 
<laughs> um, How long yeah. have you been on testosterone at that point? Um, almost three years. So it was pretty soon. It was like right before I detransitioned, basically like a few months before. Um, and yeah, I mean, since then, like, I kind of, I had this, I've gone through like a few phases. Um, I went through a phase where I thought I was a lesbian for like a few months. Um, and so, and then I kind of embraced that identity of, of being a little more masculine um, as a woman. And then I've gone through like different, like, things like I was like oh I'm, I'm super trad and I'm gonna like buy all these like dresses I'm never gonna wear pants again <laughs> and then, uh, I kind of have settled into like I like t-shirts and I like tight shirts sometimes and it's not like one or the other which I think was my problem for a really long time so that I had this black and white thinking like it has to be all or nothing um and so, and I, I really like having long hair. Um, I don't plan on cutting it anytime soon. And I kind of see myself getting to that vision that I had, which is, you know, it's kind of in the back of my head, but I, I just really like having long hair. So I'm like, well, if it happens, it happens. Or maybe I'll shave my head. Who knows? But um, yeah, it's kind of just become like, I think I kind of had to start getting out into the world of like dating and like having like sexual experiences as a woman to be able to like understand like what I wanted my femininity to look like and how I wanted other people to like perceive me. Um, and I've, I've come to the point where I think I'm pretty comfortable with some days I wear like, really baggy clothes and some days I wear like really sexy clothes and it just kind of depends. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what age were you when you started the testosterone? I was 16. 16. How did it feel for you? What was, what were the changes that it instituted? Oh my gosh. Well, I was like ecstatic. Um, the first day of my shot, I couldn't stop smiling and, uh, Trans euphoria like, or trans joy? Oh, yeah. Trans joy. <laughs> yeah. And what is that? Oh is that God. like getting what you wanted? Is it like initiating some sort of profound change of your person? Yes. Both of those things. It's like control. It's like ultimate control. Like when you feel out of control with everything else, this you can control. You can control your body. You can control, um, you know whatever like thoughts that you had that felt like i don't know like i had so much mental illness and i was like this is this is it this is the reason why i have all this mental illness so now that i can control this it's all going to be under control um and i do think that's like the case for a lot of people who transition um but yeah like you know it was like i had so much to look forward to um, once I started testosterone is like, I'm going to document all the changes. I'm going to like, you know, keep track of everything. I'm going to take pictures every day. Like, you know, I really saw it as this like monumental, like this is going to like 
erase all of the bad things that have ever happened to me so that I can just get a clean slate and move on. Yeah. Was there an aspect of, uh, I don't know, like, like parenting yourself or, I mean, there's one aspect of controlling self, but like through the means of transition and all these tools that you're being handed and affirmation, um, was there a sense of like being able to take care of yourself, even though it was kind of routed through this body modification kind of track? I think that's a really like astute observation to make because I definitely had, uh, I had to parent myself when I was, you know, starting from like early teens. Um, and I think that was definitely like, like something that I realized was, was I detransitioned a week after I moved out of my parents' house for the first time. Um, and I honestly think it was like this this way for me to like protect myself and have like a shell so that I could hide my true self underneath while I was in this shitty situation at my parents' house. And then as soon as I was out, I could be, I could open that up and be, you know, who I really was. And I didn't need that like protection anymore. So I, I really... It's really cool that you picked up on that because that's something mm. I've thought about a lot. Were, was there anybody involved in your medicalization who you felt like cared about that deep level of understanding you and helping you understand yourself? Talking about your family, talking about your depression, your anxiety, your lifestyle, your not really being involved in you know real life, being involved in virtual life. Were there any competent professionals there that were giving getting a, a broader lay of the land to show you yourself so that you could make an informed decision about why you might be making this informed decision the only person that i think like was doing that for me is um a therapist that i had um briefly when i was 15 Going into 16, I think I saw her for like three or four months. Um, but she had, from what I remember, she had a really difficult time like broaching the idea that this could be, you know, a deeper thing. That it might not just be like, I'm trans and that's it. And there's no conversation about it. Um because I do remember she tried to bring up, like, you know, let's talk about, like, why you're not going to school. And at that point, I did not talk about that with anyone. Like, before I even started being trans, like, my whole school situation was shut down. Like, I did not talk about it. So I had all, I had these things going on. And a lot of them, I think, you know, I, I didn't want to think about. And... Um, and so I would shut down anyone who tried to bring it up, but she was, I mean, I, I don't really remember anyone else trying that hard to intervene. Like I, I know all the doctors that I talked to, all the nurses that I talked to at Planned Parenthood were just very surface level, like 
okay, here's all the changes, like the physical changes, and you might have some like, you know, anger and anxiety or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, do you still want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I already knew all that. And they're like, okay. And so it was very, it's not a deeper thing. Even like the doctor who like sat down with me and my parents to talk about it, it was kind of just like, well, you told me that you struggled a lot, you know, in your early teenage years and had a hard puberty and, you know, you have all these issues. So, you know, it sounds like this might really help you. And that was basically it. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What about discussions of your fertility and what was your relationship to fertility? Oh, God. <laughs> Back then, um, I had zero interest in men uh, being with a man or dating uh, like a boy or anything um, kind of got completely turned off to men after like all of my experiences with, you know, older men. online. <laughs> um, and so I, but even like sex at all, like I didn't want to have sex uh, at all. When I started testosterone, I had no desire to ever have sex with anyone. Wait, wait, the um, libido didn't get a little extra boost? It did once I started testosterone. Okay, like, okay. Up until that point, I I mean, I had a libido, but I didn't want to ever use it, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> with anyone else. So, Is that a control yeah. issue, you think? This is, that's And that's a very personal, I mean, everything is a personal question, uh, everything, but... yeah. It's okay. Um, I don't know, really. I mean, I think it was, like, mostly the idea of being, like, physically overpowered, I think, was the main thing that I really didn't want. Um, I mean, I saw myself more, like, with... I've always been, like, bisexual, so I saw myself more with, like okay, I'd be more comfortable with a woman, but I still was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have sex. Um, And I was like, I definitely don't want to have sex with a man. I don't want anything to go anywhere near like my vagina. Um, The most that I would ever do is like make out and like maybe a little fondling. (laughs) Like I didn't, Hmm. I never wanted, I don't know. And I don't really know like where that, came from or if it was just like i just needed to grow up a little bit more like i was so young like still so Uh, this is this i'm really sorry for this question and i know i might get some flack for it but if you're living your life online as a teenager of course you're going to come across pornography and that's going to give you a a particular picture divorced from somebody wooing you somebody like hugging you somebody like embracing you with with not just sexuality sexuality is completely removed distilled i'm wondering i don't i don't even really want to ask the question I, i just want to propose that maybe that gave you a particular view of what sexuality was about that you had to get through that is such a huge part of my like early experiences on the internet and like absolutely i was exposed to porn when i was like eight and yeah i mean i saw a lot of it how does your mind conceptualize that (laughs) horror disgust Um, fascination fascination i'd say mostly back then 
I was kind of like weird like this is weird and I didn't have any I didn't have like a disgust or anything like that I didn't try to like stop myself from seeing it kind of just was like didn't know what was happening but yeah I, I yeah porn was definitely a huge part of why I did have sex I think because mm -hmm. um, I saw some fucking weird shit I mean the internet was it's crazy still but it was crazy back then too like there's some weird shit that you oh, can yeah. just stumble on on YouTube even so and then you get testosterone Do, did your life um, did your like the physical like habits of your life change after on testosterone did you have much of a like you go out skateboarding walking uh, I don't know shooting skeet or something like that did you have much of like an outside life and then when you got on testosterone how did that change um at the point when i got on testosterone i had just started going back to school like i'd only been back in school for like a month and a half um that was my like introduction to like going back outside into the outside world uh, after like shutting myself in for basically like two years um and that was that was a huge like step forward in my life um so you kind of had a space suit so so the trans man was kind of a space suit that you could that you could leave your little bubble and <laughs> go a out and put it yeah 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 that's definitely true. I mean, that's, I literally said that to my mom. I was like, I'm not starting school until I get on testosterone. And, uh, and she was finally, eventually she was like, well, if it gets you to school. <laughs> oh, wow. So, it, and it did. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I stopped doing like sports when I was like, still in elementary school and that was just when i started like hating my body and i didn't want anybody to ever like interact with me like because i hated myself so much you know being like an 11 year old 10 10 or 11 um is that when so, puberty hit for you yeah right after i turned what was it 11 or 12 something like that what do you have any ideas on how and i would i would probably side with somebody who say females um helping females with this absolutely where how f how older females can help 10 11 12 year olds 9 year olds who are going through puberty like what are some of the the care or the point of view, the framework that you could, if you could go back in time and give yourself that to maybe shore up that. Because I know it is known that females not only go through those drastic changes, get a, the, the way that the world interacts with them, the way that man, uh, men interact with them, but they also internally, they, they have a huge spike in negative affect. They get, they get really depressive, really anxious, yeah. like during that time. It's, yeah. it's really intense for them. Yeah. So without some sort of guidance it's fairly certain that everybody's going to be run aground by that flood so i'm just wondering if yeah. you've thought about that and formulated some like words of wisdom yeah i have thought about that especially like now that i'm like face to face like working with kids a lot um 
there's this this one girl that I see every day who is 13 and she's telling me like kind of you know finally like opening up to me being like yeah I'm going through puberty and you know it's hard and I'm like trying to think of like how to say like yeah it is fucking hard like I I I think really if someone had just said to me like everything that you're going through in your mind and in your body is like okay and it's not abnormal and you're not like a freak even though you feel like one even though you feel like everybody's you know looking at you everybody's like judging you and you're that's I don't know. I don't want to feel like I feel like it can be dismissive sometimes to be like, oh, that's normal. Like, you Mm. know, everybody thinks that, you know, type of thing. But like, I feel like I didn't get the validation that like going Mm. through depression, going through like suicidality and like horrible anxiety is not abnormal in puberty. And like, I just, I wish I had felt like more like somebody like understood, like I didn't feel like anybody understood. Um, Like my parents didn't know what to do. Like the schools that I was going to, I was struggling so much that I just, nobody knew how to like help me. And I just felt so alone. So maybe if somebody had just been like, hey, like I see you, like, you know, (laughs) you're not alone. (laughs) Like, I feel like it would have helped a lot to have that. Hmm. How was your, um, like going back to the trans man spacesuit, how was that going back into the world as a so-called trans man? Did you have, did you craft a new personality? Were you surprised by like maybe your (laughs) exuberance, your extroversion or what did you learn about yourself? I definitely... I think I used that opportunity to like become the person that I really wanted to be. Um, I, I mean, at first it was, it was very, very difficult because I, you know, before, you know, like when I was in middle school, I would straight up just start crying and like have a panic attack when I would walk through the doors of the school. And being in high school um the only way that i could have like the only reason i think that i was able to like go to school at all is because i went to an alternative high school and it was so much smaller and teachers were getting to know me and they really cared that i was there so Hmm. being like very slowly weaning myself into the world i was able to like connect with these teachers and they were very like slow and steady like supportive and i was able to like become this person that was like very very open very extroverted like very um confident and i feel like i did have like the tools through transitioning to just be able to be like i'm you know, coming into this high school, nobody knows me. These aren't the people that I like grew up with. I can 
become like this person, this new person without the baggage that I used to have. Like, you know, all the depression and all the anxiety, like that's gone. I can just, I can just take that away. And it really worked. Like I was able to just like put all that in a box and put it on a shelf and just leave it. And I just like, yeah, put on a space suit and it was great. Wow. What kind of person was that person that you became? Um, well, like I said, a lot more confident. Um, I did a lot of public speaking because I felt like I could uh, command a room, you know, in a way that I never felt like I could do before. Um, and I was very social, a lot more social than I used to be. I really wanted to like make friends. And as soon as I started like connecting with people, um, you know, I wanted to do it as much as possible. I was very motivated and I had this, this desire to better myself constantly. So I tried really, really hard to do well in school. And, um, I mean, I really liked the person that I was like when I was, when I had that identity, like I feel like I look back and I'm like, I like what I did. Like, I, I think it, it really was like a good time in my life. Um, but I used to think for a long time, like during my detransition, I struggled with like mental illness again. And like the thought that I like, you know, you know, going through all the thoughts like, oh, I fucked my life up like permanently, like I'm never going to be normal again. It kind of similar to the thoughts I had when I was going through puberty. <laughs> and uh, so you go through three puberties, I, the first natural one, the second yeah. transmasculine and the third detransition back to female. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all a struggle in their own way. But <laughs> um, but. I kind of have let go of this thought that I held for like years where I was like, my life was so much better when I was a trans man. Like it was better when I was on testosterone and like, maybe I'll just never have that same like carefree attitude with, without having to worry. Like maybe, maybe my brain was like balanced by all of the testosterone and you know, I never thought about like going back on it. Like I never thought about like retransitioning, but I did for a long time think that like I functioned better on testosterone, but I've kind of let go of that now. It's a performance because... enhancing drug. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I was acting <laughs> basically. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was an actor that whole time. I got to put on a performance. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just I've changed a lot, but I think growing into adulthood is also just its own puberty, like in itself, <laughs> along with all the new estrogen that was happening. So I think it was just like I had a difficult... I, I'm always, you know, I've always had a difficult time with transitions, no pun intended, but like life transitions are really hard for me. And I think 
I think that's that's just as simple as it comes down to. It wasn't the fact that I was like doing better on testosterone. It's just the fact that I had that like stability of going to school again, meeting people again, having connections, and and all of those things were really good. Um, and then as soon as I like left for college, uh, you know, it was a new transition, and it was difficult. Um, hmm. So I, I just yeah, I think early adulthood is just hard <laughs> and i think it's kind of settling in a little, little bit more now it's hard but it's also pretty wonderful i mean all the different changes yeah. and the world's still new and you get uh, you have a lot of natural ambition natural wonder and stuff like that yeah yeah i feel like i could do a lot was there something about being D-trans or being public as a detransitioner that was helpful to you, helpful in, in the detransition, and what were some of the pitfalls or the dangers of that public persona? Because yet again, it's a yet another persona. You're tri Twitch yeah. streamer, trans man, now detransitioner, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, I kind of hate the idea of like selling a personality like how it's kind of required well i guess it's not required but i'd say like the majority of like big famous youtubers will be they're selling a personality it's not like they're not showing all of their flaws and vulnerabilities and and um you know their whole self to to their audience it's like a lot of you know, selective expo exposition. Yeah. 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 So I never wanted to do that. And so I never, I knew that I would never like, you know, put out like merch and like, you know, plug all of my other things that I, I never had this big idea of like doing a bunch of projects and anything like that. I, I kind of always was just like, I'll put out a video when I want to put out a video and, I have something to say. Um, but yeah, as far as like, you know, the positives, I really, like I said, it was really nice to find a community. And I don't think I would have been able to connect with as many people um, if I had just kind of tried to like find my way. Like, I, I don't think I ever would have made a Twitter if I hadn't, you know, put out that video. Cause I hated Twitter and I had been like addicted to Twitter before. And I was mm. like, I really don't want to do that again. Um, but addicted to how like, is it like a, as an activist of some sort or just as some sort <laughs> oh, of God, mostly as like, uh, <laughs> have you, do you know about like fan accounts, like of like bands and stuff like that? Like K-pop stands and stuff. Yeah. I was that, but for one direction. Okay. <laughs> so can you hum my... one of their songs just so I can get it into my head and then put it out of my head I have to pick a good one um that's what are they the singing about there um that's just the the intro like melody okay but it's called everything about you and they're like yeah. It's everything about you, 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 
It's from their first album. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. Huh. Uh, yeah, classic. Good times. Um, yeah, so I was like, I would like, I was obsessed with Twitter back then. I would like stay up all night on Twitter. Fuck. That was like the intro to my internet addiction. <laughs> hmm. Um, but yeah, so got off Twitter after that. It stayed off for a long time. Got sober from Twitter. But um, I think I, you know, for a little bit, I was also addicted to it, you know, as a detransitioner because there's just so much to see, so many people to talk to. But I've, I've gotten a handle on it again now. I'm, you know, moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the pitfalls are definitely seeing it become more mainstream. I think that's been really, really hard for me um, because it makes me feel like, I don't know, almost like really defensive. Like I just want, I want people to like understand how like nuanced it is, how it's not just, you know, like words in a news article, like it's real. And there's so many people going through it um, and that you can't just boil it down like every other thing that happens in the media. You know, you can't just like boil it down and say like, oh, it's one percent of all people who transition. It's not it's just not that simple. Even even and, if it is. Yeah. Even if it is one percent, which that's being disputed. Yeah. That 1%, there's still thousands of people that are going through a yeah. very, I don't know, uh, traumatic and in yeah. some sense, rather wonderful process of self rediscovery and acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the hardest part of like overall of being a detransitioner is kind of trying to you know, all the people that I meet, um, kind of walking on eggshells, not trying to like, trying to figure out, you know, where's their stance on the trans community? Where's their stance on, you know, how extreme are their beliefs about like LGBTQ IA plus two S, um, and, you know, pronouns and all that kind of thing. Like, are they non-binary? Like it's, it's that the whole thought process that comes in, like how into this are they? And can I talk about it? Because there are people that you can't even talk about it with. Um, and a lot of the time I can, you know, find those people, but like just having to think about that, like all the time and kind of like be like, I don't feel like I can get close to a lot of this like subset of people who are really hardcore, like believers, like um, almost like a religion, you know, just like can't cross their belief system. Um, I just, I don't, it's hard because that happens in real life. I mean, I, I'm in like a small liberal college town so it okay. happens a lot <laughs> and you're in the yeah. nonprofit sector too yeah yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
what happens to the trans man once you put him to rest? Where does he go? Does he kind of just dissolve and you keep parts of him? That identity? Was it ever a real identity to you? Or just like, just a part, just pieces of your own experience? I do think, I, I kind of think of, uh, I was, I called myself Luke back then. I kind of think of Luke as like a separate person, but also like me. And sometimes I kind of marvel, like I did a lot of things when I was Luke that I probably wouldn't do now. Like I gave a speech at my high school graduation and I don't know if I could stand in front of a thousand people now without, <laughs> you know, freaking the fuck out. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, I just think it's part of like change and I like a lot of the things about Luke and I am glad that I've changed a lot of the things about myself since then. Um, like I think I've become a lot more obviously like open-minded and I think I've become a lot more like, um, I don't know, like I had all these kind of black and white views about the world and I've been able to expand those a lot more since then. Um, and also a lot of my emotions. Um, I feel like I have like hundreds of more emotions than I had when I was Luke, <laughs> um, which is interesting, but mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you do I with do, all like, that? I do like integrate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> panic attacks not really sometimes but um i don't know it's like i think it's gonna be very overwhelming but um i like to i mean i think i can express myself a lot more than i could back then um and i can understand myself a lot better with all of these different emotions that i can actually name and describe um hmm. and i think i think i did a lot of pushing down when i was trans a lot of a lot of like repression hmm. so where do you see yourself at 30 then and what's your cat's name <laughs> my cat's name is loki <laughs> oh um i actually did get a cat a couple of months ago so check that one off the list um so yeah i mean i still i kind of am working towards a goal of living on the west coast um i've always wanted to move out of my home state because we get eight months of snow and i don't like the snow um so i'd like to move somewhere where it doesn't snow and I'm, I think I might, you know, I think I might get to that goal by the end of the year. So that's really exciting because I've never lived anywhere else. Um, and I think I kind of just see myself like in a little apartment and hanging out with my cat. <laughs> and um, I used to see myself as like a career gal. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. I don't think I'm going to be able to here. Probably just hanging out, chilling, and doing something that makes me feel fulfilled 
that's not necessarily like demanding enough to like bring home. I like jobs like that. Mm. Yeah. But one day I really want to um, own like a plot of land in some like remote area and have a garden and uh, maybe a couple chickens and live near forests so that I can go pick mushrooms. That's, that's my goal. Are you still haunted by the thoughts of having ruined yourself, having damaged yourself by transition? Yeah. Like every day, every day. Yeah. How do you, how do you, um, honestly manage those? Some days it's harder than others. Um, some days I just cry for hours. Um, but most of the time I can think about how I can work on myself and it's not thinking about as much how I can change myself physically, which is how it used to be. That used to be how I would work on myself. Mm -hmm. Now I am doing a lot of mental growth and working on, um, you know, therapy and, uh, just kind of figuring out how I can, you know, get to a healthier mindset. Cause I know that that's something that I've always struggled with. So, hmm. Hmm. yeah. Is there, is there some sort of activity that helps you the most in this? Yeah. I love being in nature yeah. and walking around in there's a lot of forests that are just like right outside the city that I live in. It's like you can go out of town and be in a forest like 10 minutes. So I love to do that. It's like my favorite thing to do when the weather's warm. Um, it's, it's really like I can spend hours just like walking around and like looking for mushrooms and stuff and berries and slime molds and, uh, and just forget everything it's like especially if i don't have to talk to anyone i think a lot of the times like as soon as i have to talk to someone i'm like oh i sound like this and that's hard um but you know is that what sticks is that what sticks because you said earlier that that's what you wanted most and and yeah that's now what returns to you Yeah. yeah yeah it's like nothing else really it's that's the only thing Hmm. Is there, yeah. is there yet, have you come across physical therapies for that? Um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm seeing a speech therapist, um, off and on like for the past couple of months. Um, and I've done, you know, she's kind of, she's, I've, she, I've told her like my story. And so she knows that I'm like a detransitioner um it she normally helps you know like trans women um but she's been really great with like being like i've never met like a detransitioner and like this is cool we get to like discover you know what your voice can do and it's been fun like it's at first i was just really like humiliated and it felt really vulnerable and i was like all i could think about was like i did this to myself like i made my life harder like um, 
you know, it's it's my fault that I didn't have to do this. And is is that um, is that because of the aesthetic sound of it, or like the, there's a physical pain involved in it, or it's just the fact that I like sound the way that I do. It's not there's no pain. Sometimes my voice is like tired if I talk for a long time. Like right now, it's yeah. like it gets hoarse easier, but. Um, hmm. No, it's just like whenever I'm like literally talking to anyone like in public, I just think as soon as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, like I sound like this. <laughs> and uh, but doing voice training so far, like as soon as I started to get like more comfortable with, you know, being vulnerable about my voice in front of someone else, it was like it's been like empowering to be like i can do like cool things with my voice <laughs> like you know it's it's not just something that i like i'm like ashamed of like you know don't want anyone to see it's like i can like not even necessarily that i think i'm gonna be able to like change it like I think at this point right now, I'm just kind of like happy that I can um, listen to all the things that I can do. Like, it just feels good. Like, I don't know. There's some like exercises that we do that I think are just hmm. fun. Hmm. I'm not going to do one. <laughs> That's fun. But... I won't press you. I won't yeah. press you. Um, with all due respect, you're a wonderful person. I don't know if you've heard that, if you want to hear that, but you're, you, you have a lot going on. And, and I know that like there's roadblocks to you seeing that and maybe seeing that isn't necessarily good for all of us all the time, but you really have a, a light. Yeah. And I think that's what people respond to a lot. That's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So your voice is appreciated. It's nice. Do you think about writing or doing any kind of production in that direction? I really like writing. It's something that I've always done. Like also, um, you know, reading and writing for me, they kind of go hand in hand, but it's really hard for me to sit down and write and I don't know if I could force myself to like write anything substantial. I mean, I could do maybe some blog posts, but I don't know. Hmm. It would be cool to like write a book. Like that's something I've thought about. Um, what would it be about? And Well, I think I could write about my life and fill up a book. <laughs> like just hmm. about like my whole life, like a memoir, you know, but um maybe i'll wait like 15 years until i can can like be like now i'm looking back and this is all of the things that i've done since all the hard times you know yeah. and i can tie it all together instead of being like well you know we just got through it let's see what happens i don't know i think both perspectives are interesting though I kind of, I like to, to look at all the stuff that I do and like put out into the world as like little time capsules. 
So like every single video that I've ever made, it's just like a little, you know, snapshot of everything that I was thinking and feeling at the time. And I, I, I want to do that more because I feel like it's really cool to be able to like look back on the video from like two years ago and be like, oh, yeah, like I don't think about any of that stuff anymore. But, you know, back then it was a really big deal. Yeah. And then I can, you know, get some perspective, which is nice. Yeah. Do you do you have any intention this summer in the next few months to to produce anything like that or maybe maybe here and there just you just know, gonna enjoy your whatever. job feeding kids <laughs> yeah um, past you know a couple of weeks I've made more content than I've made in the last two years <laughs> so that's good do you know why just um, that the bug got you. Mostly, I mostly get inspired by Twitter because stuff that I see on Twitter really makes me want to talk uh, to an audience and be like, what the fuck? But <laughs> like, yeah, um, which is a good thing about Twitter. That I like that I can kind of formulate some idea and then it just kind of runs away when I start making the video, which I like to do. So maybe I'll start seeing more. I don't know. I always write down all these ideas, like in my notes app, like for the past two years, I've probably written down like, I don't know, like 50 video ideas, maybe, maybe even more. I don't know that I've just never made. And maybe I'll start making some of those. Cause that would be kind of fun. Just like go through all these old notes that I've written down and be like, hmm, I could make something out of this. Hmm. And is there are you involved in the D trans community now? And have you seen promising changes aside from it kind of blowing up, but have you seen more resources coming to bear? And if any new D transitioners or people, trans people who are thinking about detransition come across this, if you can point them to resources that you find particularly valuable and resilient, like, like maybe apolitical or apolitical ish that have been really useful for you. That's such a great question. Um, I feel like a lot of the, well, something, something that I would really love to do, which I don't think I have the executive function to do on my own is like start a group or like start some kind of like organization of like 4D transitioners because Every, every time that I've seen that happen, which has been a few times, something goes wrong and it never really gets off the ground. Um, and I would love to, to try to, to work on something like that because I feel like we need formal resources mm -hmm. and things that we can, you know, look at people that we can go to, you know, and I feel like it's still kind of like disorganized like there's not a ton of like i think you kind of have to find a lot of your information from other detransitioners there's not really like not a lot of research not a lot of you know mm -hmm. i don't know it's just so yeah it's like all decentralized so i feel like finding the people who are very public i think is a good start because there are many different types of personalities of people who are detransitioning 
and you can find people who you resonate with who are doing things that you want to do like chloe cole um doing all of her activism i think that's really cool really admirable um and i think she's going to inspire a lot of other detransitioners to go out and do that and i think we need more of that but also there are people who just want to like make blog posts and never want to do anything public don't do like any interviews or anything like that and there's just all different types of of people doing different things and so i do think like once you find you know a few people in the detrans community there's this whole network that you can expand out to especially like on twitter is what i'm talking about specifically um because there's going to be like retweets there's going to be follow lists there's going to be all these things and i think there's definitely so many like people out there doing admirable things that yeah you know yeah. very inspiring people what you were talking about about a centralized uh formalized institutionalized kind of resource place. I think it is popping up here and there. I know Genspect is probably uh, one place that's most coherent right now where they're trying to do, they have a program called Beyond Transition. And it's for people who are trans and detrans and all that stuff. And they're trying to just gather and connect people to professionals that can help them out. And there's so much to do there. Like there's so many questions, like what about the role of art therapy? What about the role of like dancing or, you know, just like getting back, getting back into your body, like going on nature retreats, like all these just little tiny things that you wouldn't think would help a lot, but really do help. Um, But with regard to like, in an institute by and for detransitioners, it might be a little too early for that. I think that a lot of the detransitioners are really young. It would probably be really difficult to make a institution or some, some sort of consistent, stable institution that is involved in a process that you're still undergoing, that you're still going through. Yeah. And so as the, as the, as you guys age into elderhood, the detrans, <laughs> the detrans elders, then, then I think you guys will have more resources, a little bit more distance. And then also yeah. will have been selected or have, kind of know what works, kind of know what doesn't work. So I'm, I'm always yeah. uh, totally in support of any sort of collective of detransitioners, just throwing things against the wall, see what works, see how it breaks apart. But it, I've seen that a lot too. Like we're going to do this thing and then and we're going to do this thing and stuff, but yeah. it's, you know, you guys are all yeah. in your twenties, you know, you're not like a bunch of 40 professional, 40 year old professional moms, you know, like those, that's a whole other yeah. cohort or kicking, yeah. kicking shit on the political uh, uh, domain and stuff. So, in time that will definitely form. Yeah. I, one thing I really love to see more is just like more support groups. Cause I feel like that's just so needed, like so necessary. Hmm. Like I would freaking love to be able to just like go to a support group. Um, even, you know, it would be a dream to find them like in person like mm-hmm. like a like an Al-Anon, but for detransitioning. <laughs> um, but like mm-hmm. you know, even just like on Zoom, like I I did I was in a support group um, when I first detransitioned. I was on Zoom, but it was like there was drama, and it was like this you know more doing more harm than good for me. Um, 
And I just think it would be cool to have that kind of like network, like, okay, we can all be connected in this way through this type of like organization, but we're all like independent, you know, locally run or whatever. I think that would be really cool. Hmm. Um, I don't know if there's enough people out there who would be interested in that, yeah. but I would love to just be part of something like that where you can just go to like a meeting once a week and talk to people who have detransitioned for an hour and just like yeah. be like oh my god i relate to that oh my god this happened to me too like yeah it would be kind of a mixed blessing that there'd be that many detransitioners out there that you'd have all these yeah. you know groups of 20 people in every major city or 100 people in every major city but i don't see it not happening at some point i think the yeah. Levels of regret are going to continue to go up, especially with the lack of safeguarding. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to make you talk too long. We've gone long. I should have asked this question earlier, but I'm just curious since I have you on the line. What about like your negative feelings towards the professionals? Like, How have you dealt with that, and where are you at with that? Well, I've definitely gone through... like you know, ups and downs. Um, like for a long time, I was like, it's all their fault. Like, why didn't anybody stop me? You know, like, why, why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? You know, it's like, it's hard to be so angry. And so just like, you just feel powerless. And I mean, I still feel like that, like a lot of the time, like, you know, my biggest, <laughs> my biggest thing that I have now is like, we should not let kids transition, like at all. Like, that's my opinion on it. Um, but like, for me, you know, going through my experience, like I can't be holding on to all of that bitterness, because it's just it's not, it doesn't feel good. There's no, it's not serving any purpose. Like I just want to like be able to like let go and be like, I just don't want this to happen to anyone else to get to this point, but it already happened to me. Hmm. What's your source of, I guess, grace, forgiveness and, and the strength to let go? Uh, time and going through other things that I've had to forgive myself for. Yeah. Kind of just being a person then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have any vacations plans this summer? Any, anything awesome that you're looking forward to? Oh my God. Well, once I'm done working in mid August, like I'm either going to go camping for like two weeks or move <laughs> oh, and maybe yeah. i'll camp when i move that would be fun um either way very exciting um i have like a bunch of job interviews next week so hopefully i in the new place um yeah either portland or seattle oh wow okay well you'll yeah. be in my neck of the woods yeah <laughs> it's pretty great yeah. here we don't have snow but we do have rain we have a little bit of snow i below. love rain Okay. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with rain. Okay. Make sure you're <laughs> make sure you're a rain positive person before yeah. committing. Yeah. Yeah. 
am. Well, rain brings mushrooms, and I'm like very into mushrooms. What, what's so. that called? Like a shroom head? A, a myceliac? Like what do you guys call yourselves? Myceliac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I think I'm going to start using that. Just don't get it tattooed, uh, <laughs> please. I guess if you do, then then credit me, please. Okay, yeah. I'll just get it right above the mushroom. <laughs> Why shrooms? What What's so fascinating about them? celiac disease. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Actually, so I, I grew my own mushrooms last year. Hmm. Um, and I got so... Like I, you have to learn like how they work to be able to grow them. And I was just like, so fascinated by like how they go from like spore to colonization and they become this whole like big organism when they colonize like a little like bag of rice, you know, and then they, once they mix with soil, then it's like the perfect fruiting conditions and they just they 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 pop up and they grow so fast like you could look at a tub and it's got these tiny little tiny little pins and then suddenly they're like this big the next day and it's crazy um it's really cool it was really cool to like watch that happen and i don't grow my own mushrooms anymore but um i like to go find them and it's really cool to be able to just find, I don't know, because they're everywhere. So it's like anywhere you go, if you just like crouch down in like a forest and spend a few minutes just like looking around this one little area, you're going to find little mushrooms. And it's really cool. They're just, you know, I just really like that you can fully like immerse yourself in nature Hmm. when you just crouch down and like take a minute and just like look around you they're very varied too so you get to learn about all the different kinds and know if it's going to kill you or turn you into a goddess of like infinite fruitfulness or something (laughs) like that for an afternoon your third eye can open (laughs) um yeah i've actually eaten two of the mushrooms that i've foraged here in my hometown or it's not my hometown, but it kind of is my hometown now. And you're still here to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> they were, one of them was really good. It's like the best mushroom I've ever had, like better than store-bought. The other one I didn't like as much, but they made really good like broth. So I used that to cook and it was like really, really <laughs> good. <laughs> so, yeah. And I got a little high. Oh, Interesting. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Well, they are, they're, they're all over the place out here. So this is the perfect place for somebody who's a myceliac like yourself to move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll join the, the myceliac Facebook group. <laughs> I'm sure there are. No, I know that there's a lot of clubs and stuff. <laughs> El, thank you very much. I, I've been after you for a while and, and so I finally got to land you. It's a great honor to hear you hear you out. And and also it's special to hear you at this point in time, a few years later, a little bit wiser and, and with a little bit more distance. Um the, the detransition narrative, you know, you talk to somebody like two weeks into the detransition, two months in the detransition, and then, you know, or like, you know, 
they have different roles in that detransition identity or that that you know plugging in society yeah. is that and and you you've you've kind of you you've aged you know you got like that detransitioner like cheesy thing going on that's really nice and <laughs> it's a sharp detransition yeah like a, yeah you're sharp you're sharpened so it was, <laughs> it was a delight to to talk about you uh, or to talk with you about you so thank you very much yeah thank you <laughs> Yeah, I'm really glad we got to talk. Uh, first interview I've done in like years, so really, yeah, I feel good. I'm glad. Oh, good, good, glad. I'm glad to share you with my audience. So yeah. I will end the recording. Awesome. Oh no, this one right here and.